Welcome to the Goodish People Podcast. I'm Jackie Pruitt. And I'm Hannah Jones. This is a podcast where we have conversations that are sometimes hard, sometimes funny, sometimes awkward. All the while, Hannah and I are just trying to be good people. We don't have it all together. Although, let's be real, we're always trying to be just good-ish. Emphasis on the ish. Join us as we laugh cry and snort our way through life's most pervasive and relatable conversations. Today we're going to be talking about failure, don't don't don't, navigating adulthood through failure to the best of our ability. There may be wine, there may be coffee, there is this morning because we're doing a morning episode. Surprise surprise. Wahoo, Saturday mornings, baby. Saturday mornings, baby, and you could probably tell at the beginning I almost forgot to say Welcome to the Goodish People podcast. And there was a little bit of a pause and Hannah jumped in for me. They so. won't notice because I'm going to cut it out. So you're going to be fine. I, I got the edit. Ah, she's a rock star, you guys. She's been rocking it in Garage Band. Well, okay. So inside baseball, we were talking about how who was going to take the first part. And I thought she meant the first part of our slogan. And then she meant the first part of the podcast. And so we were just, we're starting off today. It's early. We're starting off on different wavelengths. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did mean that originally, but then I was like, oh no, wait, this might make more sense. And then I got really in my head about it. And this obviously shows everyone that I need a second and a third cup of coffee because I've only had one. Yeah, I get that. I will probably be picking up a second cup on the way to brunch where I'll get my third cup after this. I love that we share an affinity for coffee. (laughs) It's the best. It really is. It makes me sad when people don't drink it because it's like my comfort thing to do. And starting a morning on vacation with the Pruitts means coffee. It's great. It it is the best. It's the oh, best. It's so wonderful. And and this morning we our coffee of choice. Um, we went to Chick Fil A. Finally, I know, but we haven't gotten the ice cream yet. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to talk about that. We got Chick Fil A. We did. We did. You're right. We did. <laughs> we did. We got some chicken minis. We got some hash brownies. So good. That's kind of funny if you say it like hash brownies. Hash brownies. <laughs> that is funny. I guess if you made them in a pan like brownies and then cut them up in squares, you could call those hash brownies. I guess you could. Or you could We call- got a new thing to bring to the Saturday cookout in the Midwest. We do. Oh my god. Whenever we find ourselves there again. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Could be any time. You never know. Just put some mayonnaise on top of it. Just put some mayonnaise with some eggs and some bacon and some cheddar cheese and a Have waffle. yourself a, a hash, hash brownie. A hash bash. Hash bash brownie. That's right. Oh, man. Okay. Too well, good. what we are going to do our, what are we going to call them this week? We didn't even oh talk about gosh. this. Okay, so last week was smooshes and douches. It was. Um, wow. That sounded like, that sounded weird. What about, uh, like a dog. Oh, we could do. Do you like cats? Yeah, cats are great. I don't. Oh, okay. I but like, gonna... I I don't have cats. They scare me. But mm-hmm. I I respect cats. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes Mostly sense. Mostly because I think they'll kill me if I don't. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. Scratchy I love them scratch. from a distance. Um. Hmm. You're gonna do dogs and cats. We could do. I was, but I, I know a lot of people. <laughs> we, that let's do it. Let's commit. Okay. I know. For somebody... those of you cat lovers out there, we love you. But your animals are very sweet and very cute, and I also think they're going to slit my throat with their claws. So that's all. Not except for Micah, my sister's cat. I love him, and he is like a dog. He's so sweet. 
The same could probably be said for Grizz right now. His nails are so long. He's so, so Eddie's. Large. It's the worst. And the doctor keeps, or the vet keeps saying, they're fine. He is on pavement enough. They grind down. I'm like, well, you don't get the scratches. That no, get. you don't. And you don't get that when my guests come over, they get scratched. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry for, and I apologize for my dog's long nails. We should just get t-shirts that say that so we don't have to say it every time. Oh, yeah. Like a sticker I wear at all times that says, yeah. I'm sorry for my dog. Or a hat. Or a hat. A visor. <laughs> a visor. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, we'll do cats and dogs this week. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you want to get started? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd love to. I don't think we've... Uh, Hannah and I have been super duper busy the last three, four weeks. Yes. And yeah, a lot's been going on. Yeah, a lot it has was been going on. Fourth of July, then birthday, then mm-hmm. my dog got sick, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we've been crazy. Yeah, so. yeah. It has been crazy. Because I want... I, I have like two dogs or, well, I do have two dogs, but I have two highs. You have a Wux and a Grizz high. I do have a Wux and a Grizz high. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and kick us off with that. Well, my, my high that I was going to talk about <clears throat> is that I, I recently got to paint my living room. And if you know, and it Hannah's- looks so good. I'm dancing. She's dancing around and it does look so good. And for the last probably six, seven months, um, I had like navy in there and and gray and it was all fine for some time, but it was really starting to get under my, you know, when a color, you know, it wasn't for you. It wasn't for me after some time. You know, I I said I I need, I have too many colors for blue walls. Like I like hot pink. I like orange. I like lime green. Yep. Yep. All the colors, man. When you don't like navy. Not that there's anything wrong with navy. I like navy, but it's not for you. It's not, you don't enjoy it. You're right. And you deserve to enjoy your home. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. And um, I had the fortunate enough opportunity to repaint my living room white and my kitchen black. And I am one happy camper right here. So that was going to be my first dog. Yes. Okay. That's a wax. It's a wax. And my next one, I'm going to hit you with a grizz. Minus the scratchy nails though. So my second one, oh yes, was it was such an incredible 4th of July slash celebrating Hannah's birthday this year. It was so wonderful. That's my second dog. And we had it over here at the house. And um, we had, if anyone knows what a redneck hot tub is, LOL. I <laughs> just I don't think I knew until this year. And now I know. <laughs> I actually don't think I did either. Because I, I, I asked what that was when Ned was like, I think we're going to do a redneck hot tub. And I'm like, what is that? So for those of you who are asking yourself, what is a redneck hot tub right now? It is where you pull up a truck and in the truck bed, you, you make sure it's a clean tarp. You put the, <laughs> some rednecks might not clean it, but you know. Yeah. We're not really rednecks. These city slickers had to clean the tarp. Yeah. These city slickers had to make sure that it was sanitized. <laughs> <laughs> these clean freaks. And so we have the tarp in and we put a hose in and we fill it up and I threw a bunch of rubber duckies in there that I had. I've accumulated over time because for some reason I own like 20 rubber ducks. They're all different. They have different personalities. They don't have different names yet. Yet. Give me time. That is a problem. That needs to be solved. It does need to be solved. You got some homework this week, Jackie. I really do. Um, It made me think of that song from Sesame Street. Rubber ducky, you're the one. You make that time lots of fun. Um, That's a nice song. I don't remember that. You don't? No. I'm going to send you the link after this. Please reminisce but i would say that those and just celebrating you in general it's so fun to celebrate hannah so Ugh, you're too kind oh, well you know i'm just being honest but those were my two dogs 
Oh, well, those are good doggies. They were good doggies. Two good little happy doggies. <laughs> two happy doggies. So I'll pass it to you. Okay. So I also have two. I'm going to do two as well because it's been two weeks. We've got to pick two. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, um, my birthday. I know Jackie just talked about it, but it was so fun. And I got everybody to watch a movie with me, which is my favorite thing in the world. So I had uh, Connor, Ned, and Jackie watch The Prestige with me, which those of you that know me out there probably know that I will forever adore Christian Bale. Christian Bale, if you're out there, I hope you get a Google alert because I adore you and I think you're so talented. <laughs> <laughs> Google uh, alert. And The Prestige was my favorite favorite movie for a very long time, kind of tied with Goodwill Hunting. I'm obsessed with that movie as well. So anyway, I hadn't seen The Prestige in a very long time and I got to watch it with them. So that was a huge high for me. It was a very like slow morning and probably the slowest part of the weekend, but made me very happy because I typically go see movies by myself, which I love doing, but I love sharing it with other people. So that was very fun. Um, And my other high is, so my other doggy, my Ed Part 2, uh, is that over the past couple of weeks, I've been taking a lot of effort to learn more about ADHD since I've been diagnosed and trying to read and um, listen to podcasts from experts and and just have been learning a lot. And as I've been on my medication, I've been seeing some improvement and have just been making sense of a lot of myself (laughs) as somebody who was undiagnosed for almost 30 years. And just a lot of the things about me that never added up with just the diagnosis of depression and anxiety are finally adding up. And I don't want that to ever be something I use to, um, to excuse my actions, but I want it to, it's been nice to know it so that I can at least understand myself Mm -hmm. and then grow from there instead of just being so frustrated with why I am the way I am in a lot of ways. So that's been a huge high and I've been seeing improvement on the medication. So I actually organized stuff in my house this week, which I usually build up as this huge task and then I procrastinate, 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 but I love being tidy and clean. So then I get stressed that I don't Mm. do it. And it's just like this never ending cycle. So Connor is out of town. I got a whole night to just do all this stuff and it made me feel so good. So that was a huge high for me as well. Oh, that's like such a good feeling after organizing something. But I, I imagine even more of a better feeling by connecting the dots and having having a, a bit of closure around why am I the way that I am? Oh, you know, action, reaction. This impacted who I am today and this is going to help enhance and make, lead me to be in a better, better place mentally yes. and physically and all that. Totally. I mean, I I am so I feel like it's a key that's unlocking so much of who I have been my whole life and in a good way. Like it it's not making me dislike myself. It's making me have compassion and love for myself to look back at my actions with understanding and and then I just like I'm learning to celebrate the small things like taking a whole night to organize is actually a really big deal for me. And I am sure if anyone out there has a similar diagnosis, you understand like that was like, I, I felt like I had just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. It was amazing. Oh, yes. <laughs> Small things like that, that are just like incredibly hard for me to take that for whatever reason, you know, I guess ADHD is the reason I used to just say for whatever reason, felt so overwhelming to me that I'd put it off. Uh, I got to do it and I did it. And I started what I finished. I finished what I started. Yes. So it was great. Victories, little victories. <gasps> little victories. That's mm-hmm. a good feeling. It was. It was. Yes. Do you mm-hmm. have a kitty cat for the week? <laughs> I have a kitty cat. 
Makes you think of a Kit Kat bar. Mm. What's new, pussycat? Yummy. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, if anybody has seen or has not seen John Mulaney's. I was about to say that. <laughs> oh, were you? Were you um, um, r- remind me the it's name the of the diner, that. the like Starlight Diner or something. I'm looking it up. Yeah, I can't remember the exact name of the bit, but what's the name of the Netflix series? Like, is it, what's the n- title? of his comedy show on netflix the first one the new one or the first one the one with what's new pussy cat that one um (laughs) it's called the salt and pepper diner uh bit if you want to look that up i don't know which i don't know which special it was a part of because i've only ever watched it on on youtube because connor and i revisit that very very often we love it we do too it's so (laughs) so good i'm probably gonna watch it today it's so good. Y'all, look it up. It's so funny. Like, if I try to describe it right now, number one, I'm going to ruin it for you, so I won't. And number two, well, I guess that goes with number one. I would totally butcher it, so I'm not going to. What I can also say, so on the note of John Mulaney, uh, mm-hmm. hit yourself with some salt and pepper diner sketch or bit. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Then go watch The Bear and watch episode six of The Bear because he's in it. Spoiler alert. And he's <gasps> phenomenal. He's so freaking funny. So uh, just get yourself some John Mulaney in your life. Some people out there don't like him. So if it's not for you, don't watch it. Don't crap all over our joy. And we'll continue to love Don't John yuck Mulaney. my yum. As <laughs> don't yuck my say. yum. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've adopted now. Yucking yums is it's the perfect saying. It's just, little, it's just silly. This makes me laugh. It's silly. <laughs> it really is. It really uh, is. It's special. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's so special. And it's not special. Well, um, yes, go watch that. But my cats, hmm, this one was a tricky one because I couldn't necessarily pinpoint a low for me this last week, which I think is good. I think that is my, really good. It is really good. I, I would say probably my low is just going through the motions, like waking up, going to work, like sitting at my desk you know just like blah of normalcy like you get and like of course you know uh love love my my team love going to work you know and love working but monotony monotony yeah, yeah. it's just sometimes stone cold sometimes yes yeah, so stone cold sometimes and i can really let that get to me because i'm like man i'm just feeling like this is boring but sometimes like the boring going through motions in general with life. But honestly, you know, boring is good in a lot of ways. And when I'm in those moments, I try to be thinking about, oh, well, how how can I maybe make this moment better? Or how can I be thinking about the next thing I'm going to do? Or how can I use this time to plan for other things? So I, I would say just feeling blah at times is not fun. but yep. I would say that that was the low because I would just sort of say, well, what can I do to, you know, should I go on a walk? Should I make another cup of coffee? I do love coffee. So I would sometimes. That's going a cat, on walks definitely really. helps me, I would say. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a real cat. And I've felt that many times since I started working mm-hmm. years ago. And it hits me like quarterly, I think, where yeah. I just like four times a year, I'm just like, is this the rest of my life? Yeah, and it yeah, gets a little yeah. just like I don't know, boring. Right, right, right. You're like, am I? Gonna I be have doing to imagine this? every adult feels like that. So I think, you know, everyone who has a job, including the people you work with, the people I work with, have to feel like that occasionally because 
nobody wants to be doing the same thing every day forever. If you do, please let me know because I don't think I've met anyone that would not have a moment where they step back and think, I'd like to be in Italy right now instead of sitting at a desk, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I guess if we didn't have the boring, then it wouldn't make it so exciting when trips and fun celebrations and activities came around. We'd be like, oh, I'm just doing the same old, same old with the activities or with the celebration or with the big trip. So it does make those more exciting, which is good. True. The contrast does help. I do think if we were doing fun things all the time, you're right. They would also become monotonous, which is crazy to think. Maybe that's not true. If you are uh, out there in the world just vacationing for life, I would love to hear from you on how that is because I think we tell ourselves that so that we feel better about our lives, but maybe it's true. Maybe you do get bored every once in a while. I would love to hear about it. I would too. I don't know if anybody listening will have that life, but if you do, mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah, good for and you. And please help me understand how you got there. Yeah, it makes me, help me understand where you got there and help me understand how I can get there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I need step-by-step. Step. Right? I need a wiki how on how to do that. <laughs> yeah, a wiki how. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to think about. Um, yeah, what what was your cat? It's perplexing. Uh, my what's new pussy cat is before I get into it I forgot I also had a third high that I'll briefly mention my sister was in town last weekend and she has been dying to go to Whitewater and <laughs> I don't know why she lives in New York City like she's living this amazing life and she's just dying to go to Whitewater and I was like okay I'm here for it so she came to Atlanta to go to Whitewater and then one of my best friends from college Lauren she also came down. She went to Whitewater a ton growing up. And then her dad came with us and two of her friends and uh, the and Connor came too. And it was just like a bunch of adults having a great time at Whitewater. And honestly, I wasn't expecting it to be like, I was expecting to have a great time with my friends and my sister, but it was way more fun than I thought. The rides are so fun. I had a great time and it wasn't very busy. And it was just a great weekend to hang out with them and just live the dream at Whitewater. USA, Six Flags, Whitewater. <laughs> I've never been to Whitewater. It's just it, so weird. I've never been, but I've never I, been. Okay. Did, uh, I apparently went to Whitewater before I could remember, but I didn't remember. Mm. My mom said I was. I went when I was a kid, but I was too young for it to even clock in my brain. I remember going to um, Lake Lanier Islands. Mm-hmm. Did you go there? No, dude. Oh, I haven't wow. been anywhere. I know. Which you is didn't weird. go to Lake Lanier Islands because that would make no. sense because where we grew up, it was a lot closer to us to go to Lake Lanier Islands. Yeah. But and honestly, I, I after going to Whitewater, I, I'm biased because that's where my memories are. But I think I like Lake Lanier Islands better. We should go sometime. We should go. Let's do it. Let's add it to the list. It's very fun. And Lake Lanier mm. Islands is nice because they ha- it's on the lake. So there's a beach there too with like a little swimming area in the lake. Okay. So you don't have to do rides all day. You can also like beach it up. Um, it's great. I want to say core memory, I think, was just accessed in my brain. Maybe I was uh, really yes. tiny. Unlocked. Unlocked. Unleashed. And I was small, small. I think I've been to the beach, but I've not been to the rides portion. Okay. I, I wonder think, if that's because your mom was scared of rides. Do you think so? I mean, it's, it's possible. I would have to ask Because water rides, honestly, it's to me, small. I still get, we did small. this crazy ride at Whitewater, and I haven't been scared before a ride in mm-hmm. a very long time. And I was terrified, which was kind of nice because I like haven't been scared, and I just was like, it's so much of an accomplishment to do something that you're afraid of. And as a kid, I used to just not do the things I was afraid of. And a lot of ways, I just happened to not be afraid of roller coasters. But there were a lot of other things I avoided out of fear, which we're going to get into today with uh, yes. this conversation of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's felt, you know, now that I'm old, I'm like, I'm an adult. 
if I can't do something that a little kid is doing, then I'm pathetic. So that, <laughs> that mentality gets me on the ride. Like I was there yeah. because of it, this mm-hmm. ride, you get into this, like this container at the top of a steep <gasps> slope oh, I've seen this and on stand on a platform. Mm-hmm. And then they press a button and you don't know when the platform drops out from underneath you. And then you just shoot straight down on the ride. And the best part of this, I mean, I was terrified. I was thinking about how I distributed my weight on the platform because I didn't want my feet to go through too quickly. So I wanted to be on my toes. And anyway, it was a really fun ride. And it really was not nearly as scary as it seemed. The scariest part was being in the container. And then the ride was over like in a flash. But the best part was Lauren was the second person to go. Connor went first and then Lauren went second. And they were switching lifeguards when she got into the container. And the person at the bottom didn't push the button to clear to send her. And they're trying to get his attention or her attention to say, like, push the button so that we can send her because they have like a system going Uh and a, a safety system. And so Lauren was in there for, it felt like 10 minutes, but it was definitely only like two minutes. But that's a long time to be in a plastic container waiting to oh drive on, on a slide. I would have been and like, get me out. I would have been she, banging on the glass. Get me she, out. She said she was like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> what the? And she, she was, she said she was panicking and every person, it was hilarious. Cause I get down on the bottom of the slide and I'm like, oh my God, Lauren, you were in there for so long. And she's like, I, and then the next person comes down and they're like, Lauren, you were in there for so long. Her dad comes down, Lauren, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> Everyone was just, and she was like, I know, I don't know. It was hilarious, but That's white water, what a, what a place. But I felt a little bit of that same feeling of accomplishing a fear and it felt awesome which mm-hmm. we can dig into later. But yes. okay, that's enough on my on my doggies, my Ed number mm-hmm. three. Um, my kitty cat of the week, I would say, I'm trying to think, I've been just a little bit like tough on my, I know we talked about body image a couple weeks ago and I've just mm-hmm. been like really in my head about that recently mm-hmm. and not the worst. It hasn't been like the worst of my life, but I've had a couple of really good weeks. So there's not much else bad going on. Uh, but I have been just a little more in my head about it. I'm about to go to the beach for my one year anniversary, which I'm very excited <gasps> Happy about. Anniversary. Thank you. Oh, it's tomorrow, exciting. which is so crazy. By I the time know. this comes out, it'll have been a couple days before, but, uh, it's been such a fun year, which I'm sure we'll talk about marriage at some point <laughs> on the podcast, but it's been so fun. And we're going to celebrate in Miami and just being in a place where you're wearing bathing suits all the time. And like all mm. of this, it's just, I've, I've been hyper fixated on things and, and Connor's been out of town. So mm. I forget that my eating habits are really different when he's not around. TikTok is all about girl dinner right now. I don't know. Have you heard about girl dinner? No, I don't know what this is. Okay. So I'm sure everybody listening or a lot of people listening are aware because TikTok, but there's this thing that blew up on TikTok about girl dinner, which basically means grazing. So that like when girls eat by themselves or when they're home by themselves, they'll eat like a couple slices of cheese, some almonds, and like that's it. Or like, mm. um, just like random little snacks for dinner instead uh-huh. of like a protein, you know, and like a full course meal. It's just like, let's pull out some dark chocolate. Let's get some cheese, let's get some crackers. Uh, and that's going to be dinner. And oh, that's so true Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. me, at least like when I am by myself, I snack a lot during the day like that or like I do like little snacky snacks and I don't really eat snacky snacks. Yeah. I don't really eat like a full meal, but I eat the, the equivalent of a full meal. It's just grazing over the course of the day. Yeah. Um, but I kind of forgot that that's how I live because when I'm living with Connor, like we eat regimented meals because that man gets hungry. 
<laughs> so yeah. I forget. And then he went out of town for a few days and I was like, oh, I get to do like what I used to do when I was single. And I get to like eat like I like to eat without him telling me you need to eat more food or whatever because he doesn't mm-hmm. have girl dinner. And <laughs> girl dinner. <laughs> uh, but I will say it's a, it's definitely a triggering environment because then I can control what I'm doing mm-hmm. a little bit more. And it's like a competition of how much can you control. And anyway, it's just not mm. helping. That that was probably my low. It wasn't okay. the worst of the worst, but I'm definitely aware that it wasn't good and I need to yeah. be kinder to myself. Mm. It's super easy to be even more in your own head. I think when your spouse or your significant other, your partner's not around, that is tough because they're there in my ear telling me I need to not be thinking that way or it's like more visible to them yes Um, and they're just constantly reminding you you're beautiful but you're also more than that like I want you to live a full life exactly and not limit yourself yeah exactly and it's really easy to just get on the train and keep going in your head yeah it's so So crazy how much I clicked back into that because you know I've been married for a year and dating Connor I've been with Connor back I guess four years now Mm -hmm. um and I kind of forgot that when I was single, that's just how I was all the time. And it's just weird how quickly I click back into that. It, it was bizarre. I haven't had a moment away from him really in a while. And it's like, whoa, that was very automatic that I just went back to my old habits. Like, okay, I need him around. <laughs> He's good yeah. for me. He's, He's great good for me. For me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just like haven't been exercising as much and been hard on myself for that. But I'm feeling good in life and I'm feeling like I'm making progress. So I need to be kinder to myself and like focus Heck on yeah. the good instead of looking in the mirror. Well, mirrors are evil sometimes. Mirrors are evil. There are times when I straight up will not go buy a mirror because I'm Same. like, I know what I'm going to do. So I might as well not do it. And I just keep walking. But yep. if you need anybody to encourage you, dude, I'll shoot you a text and I'll be like, damn, man, you're so beautiful because y'all. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you. I'll hype Thank you up, you, my friend. dude. Thank you, friend. Always, always. Uh, you're the best. Yeah, I've been trying to avoid mirrors, but I'm also trying to heal my hair because long story short, I like tried to color my own hair and then my hairstylist had to get all of the color out of my hair in order to get it blonde again. And it was a whole freaking process. And she was like, your hair is going to be very, very fragile. So please take care of it. So I'm trying to like give it everything that it needs. So I'm having to, to, to like take care of my hair. I'm having to spend time it in front of the mirror. Great. So it's been a force. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's it healing. It doesn't look dry to me at all. Honestly, well, it does not look I, damaged, really. I've if I look at my own so hair. much oil and night masks and everything because I like, I want to take care of it. I want it to heal so that I don't have to mm-hmm. chop it all off. <laughs> um, but anyway, I've been having to spend time in front of the mirror like morning and night for that. And I'm like, ugh. I hate this. But I will say like work this week, I didn't wear makeup because I didn't want to look in the mirror and put makeup on my face. It was excellent. Yeah. yeah. I avoided that. Yeah. You're like, see ya. It was great. I don't need none of that toxicity in my life. No, I don't. I don't. And honestly, it's a good transition into our topic because yes, part of my whole fixation on my physical looks is because I don't, I want to appear uh, as accepted to mm-hmm. the world and as and I've seen beautiful people be accepted. So I want to be that because then that means I'm safe. I really think that that's like part of why I care so much about that. And okay. I'm just competitive like I, with myself and in the world. I just like want to have some sort of significance. But failure plays into that hugely. And we decided to talk about failure today. And we'll kick off our conversation now because it's something that Jackie and I have had a really uh, close relationship to over the course of our lives. And our goal today is really to just 
talk about our genesis of failure, what we remember uh, growing up and um, over the course of our life as our relationship to it, and then kind of what we're doing now to try to grow through our our resistance to failure and our struggles mm. with failure. And then, I mean, I'd love to end too with some goals that we would want to hope to see in the future uh, with this topic and how we mm-hmm. want to grow moving forward. And it's kind of our goal for today. I'm sure you guys can relate to this topic. If you can't, good for you. Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> you made it. Whoa, you, you and Jesus it. can go grab a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all go get drinks. Um, yeah. Wow. So I would like to kick us off here after that beautiful intro into what we're going to be talking about with some some little questionnaires. Go for it, dude. A little bit of questions. A little bit of questions. A little bit of questions. So a little bit of rock and roll. A little bit of rock and roll and some failure. That was supposed to be John Ralphio. From- it was good. Thank you. It, it was, was close. Good. Didn't really hit the notes. A little Mona Lisa, a little John Ralphio. It was great. It was a little mix and match. Money, 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 please. Oh my God, that sounds just Money, like her. please. Whoa, that's crazy. You're really good at that. Oh gosh. Um, so, <laughs> so when when would you say when was a time in your growing up when you really were like, oh shit, I I did this poorly. I I f- you where you felt like a failure, or you f- you understood kind of what failing was and how did that impact you as you moved into middle school into high school and into early college ultimately leading to who you are today excellent question really robust excellent question thank you thank Um, you so for me honestly my relationship to failure is very deep and wide I um and a lot of it is related I'll, I'll say this a lot of it is related to the way other people view me and my level of safety, like I just said, like me feeling like a failure to me was a big deal because I felt like people wouldn't want to be around me or love me if I was a failure in any way. So I was extremely sensitive to failure. And and my definition of failure as a kid was very broad. It wasn't just like you failed a test with an F. It was like you did worse than somebody else in the class. Therefore, you're not smart. Mm. Therefore, nobody's going to like you because you have nothing else going for you. So like it was very, um, it was a very ungracious definition of failure. So growing Mm -hmm. up, I would say I I don't really have an earliest memory because I have always been extremely sensitive to failure. I, for instance, I had this moment the other day where I realized I don't like to plan social things. I will attend them. I love being a part of them, but I don't like to plan them because I don't want to be rejected with people not wanting to go or or going and not wanting to be there uh, because I view that as a failure of me and like people not wanting to do something that that I am inviting them to is like a personal mm. failure and feels like they're rejecting me. So failure and rejection are very personal to me. And when I was a little kid, I used to make my brother go and knock on the neighbor's door, poor David, uh, to see if they were free because I wouldn't do it. Because if they said no, I felt like that was a personal reflection on how they felt about me. And I don't know where it came from, um, except that in my research on ADHD, I've been learning a lot about um, how one of the symptoms often of people with ADHD is another condition called rejection-sensitive dysphoria. And um, essentially, this I'll read a little bit from an AD, ADD website uh, about it and 
basically it's a, this is a quote it says researchers have ignored the emotional component of ADHD because it can't be measured yet. Yet emotional disruptions are the most impairing aspects of the condition at any age, uh, which is uh, a comment on rejection sensitive dysphoria. Uh, and essentially what it means is that you have emotional dysregulation. You can't regulate, regulate your emotions the same way mm -hmm. as a normal brain. So, um, yeah, a neurotypical brain, if you will, has the ability to take an information and process it and it'll still hurt. You'll still feel rejection and it'll suck, but it's not always going to feel as intense. Mm -hmm. And here's one other quote. It says, rejection sensitive dysphoria is one manifestation of emotional dysregulation, a common but misunderstood and under-researched symptom of ADHD in adults. Individuals with RSD feel unbearable pain as a result of perceived or actual rejection teasing or criticism that is not mm. alleviated with cognitive or dialectical behavioral therapy. So mm. all that to say, I learned this and I like, it made me cry because I thought about my childhood and I have very vivid core memories, as yeah. Jackie says, where I'll be sitting at the dinner table and my brothers will say something to me that most kids could take in stride and, and dish, you know, they get it dished out, they dish it right back and just yeah. joking with each other. And I would just like, it would hurt my feelings so much. It could be so small. Like Daniel would yell at me because he didn't like the way I ate. And then I would like run upstairs crying or someone would make a comment, like a brief comment about my hair and like make a joke. And I would run upstairs crying. Mm -hmm. Like I was always running upstairs crying. And then they would make fun of me for running upstairs crying, yeah, which I don't blame cycle. them. It was, yeah, I don't blame them because it, it, it made me seem like such a drama queen. But what they didn't understand and what I didn't understand is that mm -hmm. that was like, that was a symptom of an untreated disorder. And, um, not just, maybe not disorder is not the right way to say it, but it was an untreated condition and mm. my brain just works differently. And I really wish that I had understood it and that my family mm. could have understood it because it made me feel like a failure all the time. Mm. Because whenever I responded with emotion, it was treated as a weakness. So Oof. that's my relationship to failure. And Oof. honestly, like from there, my entire life, like I did every freaking thing that I could to avoid mm -hmm. rejection and failure because I didn't want to feel that deep, yeah. Yeah. deep pain that I felt over the smallest thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what was going on. I had no diagnosis or help or therapy or anything. No. So I just thought I was, I thought I was a weak, sensitive person and I didn't like that about myself. So I wanted to mm -hmm be what people needed me to be. And this is part of why I think like no matter what environment I'm in, I'm pretty good at morphing to what people need me to be. And I'm trying to stop that. I'm getting better at just being true to myself regardless. But I used to be a chameleon. I even had someone that I used to work with when I left my job. They did like this very nice, telling me nice things about myself um, mm -hmm. before I left. And it was really, really sweet, but it made me cry because he said, you are in any environment I've witnessed you being whatever you need to be. Um, to for oh. that environment, like you are able to adapt. And that is a great quality. I'm glad I have that quality, but I want to learn to use it less because yeah. it came out of a place of avoiding failure mm -hmm. and avoiding rejection, which rejection is really the word that I, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't separate from failure because in my mind, failure is rejection of me as a person and yeah. I'm trying to untangle them, but that's been mm -hmm. my whole life. What about you? Wow. Okay. Well, before we get into me, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there's a lot to unpack there and I first and foremost really appreciate your thoroughness of all of that and I think it's really cool how you've connected 
your experience and how traumatic that was as a child to going, okay, this is, it's directly impacted who I am as an adult. And here's what I'm working through to really nurture that like inner child in a, in a certain sense of like acknowledging that you had that experience. Because, you know, I think at the base, base level, right? Words hurt. Oh yeah. People are going to say shit in your life and it's going to hurt and it's going to sting, but it's how we deal and cope with those things. And at that time you didn't know, and you were unable to understandably, because you're a kid, you're, you're figuring it out. But on top of that, throwing the ADHD element into it, that, that brings on a whole other element of intense emotions. And it's so hard because you're like, oh my gosh, I wanted, I needed help and I needed recognition there. And I, I, I did not have that. And it's, and it's like nobody's fault because they didn't no know. No you know what fault. I mean? Yeah. But it, it really was absolutely nobody's fault. I mm-hmm. just was like, I didn't, I always knew I was perceived to be overreacting and I hated that, but I couldn't stop it. It's like, I mm-hmm. couldn't avoid those feelings flooding over me. And one thing I'm trying to learn and, and what a lot of these books and articles say that I've been reading about uh, RSD and ADHD is like, you're not going to, don't try to stop being yourself. That is going to happen to you. It's about how you give yourself compassion to get through it instead of trying Mm -hmm. to kick yourself to be different and be normal. And I didn't have anyone growing up that understood that. I don't think most people understood that. So again, nobody's fault, but it's been really sweet to notice or to learn this and be like, oh, I wasn't just a drama queen. I like, I was responding because my brain literally is wired differently than a lot most people's. And that's how this ended up happening. And now I can learn to better that quality of myself, but it's never been a weakness. It's just been an unrefined strength. And it was always treated as a weakness in my whole mm-hmm. life. And I, I really tried to avoid it. Uh, I like that. It's not a weakness. It's an unrefined strength. Whew, mic drop. Well, I and I I'm trying to remember that because one of the things that I've been told from people that love me, one of the reasons they love me is my ability to like be in deep feeling, be in my feelings with them. Yeah, and yeah. and it's been easy for me my whole life because I'm in my feelings all the time and that's a that can be a strength, but I want to learn to manage it in a way that doesn't and I think as an adult, I am doing a better job of this without even knowing it was RSD. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I am doing a better job at trying to regulate and not project it onto other people for them to show acceptance. Um, but that definitely used to be. I would avoid it. And then if it happened as a kid, I would try to get any amount of approval that I could yeah. get out of them afterwards. And it just always was bad. It was always bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're trying to autocorrect. Like I like to oh, think yeah. of it when yeah. you're like hydroplaning, it's like you're kind of sliding off the road and then you're like, well, shit, shit, shit. I, I know I'm not supposed to be, I've been told I shouldn't be sliding off the road. So I'm going to jerk my steering wheel. And a lot of the times like it, you know, you continue you're to go off to the road. The kid, not, not away from it, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. that's yeah. totally yeah. how I felt my entire life. And you know, it's like, I've, I've avoided so many things. Like I didn't, quote unquote fail in the way a lot of people think failure uh, is defined because I avoided trying new things that I knew I wouldn't be good at or I thought I might not be good at so that I wouldn't feel that feeling. And one of the main things that came out of this that I really, really don't like about myself is that I avoid confrontation. 
Uh, and I'm trying to really grow in that area. And we'll get into that, like what I'm trying to do now. But I've always avoided confrontation because I felt that if I went there, um, that people couldn't like me afterwards mm. and that they would reject me and that I would I would be a failure of a friend for making them feel bad about mm. something else. And then I would feel terrible. So I've been just like keeping people, I mean, it ties into people pleasing, but really my people pleasing my whole life has been to avoid rejection and failure of the people that I love or really anyone. Yeah. <laughs> They're like all working in tandem. Yeah, totally. together. Like, and it's also a defense mechanism. Like, your brain oh, yeah. knows what it doesn't like, and it's like, how in the past, what's worked for me? Okay, well, what's worked for me in the past is I've just protected myself and I've kept myself from having to feel any more of those things by not confronting somebody when there's a difficult situation, by okay. running and isolating myself. Like, oh yeah, a coping mechanism. Like, you totally. had to do that. What else were you gonna do? You know, like my alone time and like needing to be not near people sometimes like was totally a protection mechanism. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't there there's definitely some regret behind some of it. But I also completely give myself grace because I was just trying to do what I needed to do with the resources that I had at the time. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of resources. So I was just instinctually protecting myself. And I believe that everybody out there is kind of doing that to a degree. So you know, I got to give myself grace for, for doing that over the years. Definitely. And you were just doing what you thought was best at the time. Like you were doing all you could do at that time to protect yourself and to protect your peace. It's yeah. like there's only so much you can do at, when you're growing up, when you're still living with your parents, when you're haven't fully even emotionally developed yet. Like there's well, even things as an adult, you got to do. I think yeah. that stuff. And I'm, I'm over the past couple of years, the past couple of years, I've, I've been so, so significant in growth, but I, I was doing all that stuff up until I was like 26 and had no idea. Mm, yeah. And because I had been told by, by uh psychologist, psychiatrist, because I was put together to a degree, had all these masks I had created to please people to avoid rejection, that I was just depressed and I just had anxiety, but it never quite made sense. So I never was getting resources that I needed. And Mm. I never, because of that, I was doing all this stuff up until I was like 26 years old. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, working through a lot of it. Yeah. I feel like, aren't we all like, we will be always working on it. I I think, I think it's nice though, to discover these layers. It's like, okay, I've, I'm starting to do the digging. I'm starting to do the work and I'm finding all these things. It's really, it really is. And this is kind of a silly metaphor. I mean, it's really, basic but when you dig you're like finding all you're going through all this dirt you see some worms but then you find like a gemstone you find gold and you're like well okay great I can use this to my benefit like I'm richer I'm richer I'm I'm more and not like monetarily obviously but I'm rich in spirit like I've I'm more of myself because I'm doing the hard work I'm dealing with the dirt that I didn't want to dig up that I didn't want to deal with so totally and one of those gems has really been truly becoming more of myself and then being okay with the fact that I'm not going to be for everybody. And my whole life, I've been the girl that tries to be for everybody. And it's freaking exhausting. It's hard, and I was hard. really good at it. But then I would get totally gassed and then need to spend like a year in my room by myself because I just couldn't keep up with the amount of people that I like made feel like I was for them, but I really wasn't being I thought I was being myself, but I wasn't. Like I really genuinely wasn't trying to 
con people. I was conning myself all these years, uh, but I'm trying to get used to the idea that the more that I learn, the more I'm going to be me and the more that's not going to be for everybody. And that's actually good. Right. Because then you have more space in your life for people who want to love you and support you well for who you are. Yeah. And I can love and support them better because I'm not exactly gassing myself out trying to be something that's not me, you know? Um, so I can be more consistent. I can be more honest. That's one thing I'm mm-hmm. trying to learn to be is like, I never want to use, you know, ADHD, depression, anxiety as an excuse, but it is educational to my friends. It's like, hey, the reason I'm terrible at texting and calling is because. I'm a procrastinator and it's like a symptom. I've never been able to make sense of it, but it's a literal symptom of ADHD that people put it off and off and off. And it like you you think about it, you formulate a response in your head and you think you've sent it and then you forget about it. Yeah. And then you keep forgetting and then you feel terrible and whatever. So I I've like that's one of the reasons I'm bad at these things. I'm trying to get better. But if I can tell people that, then it hurts less when I do it and they can lend more empathy and they can help hold me accountable better, you know? So I can love people better and then teach them and help them learn to love me better. Mm. But all that is like from a journey of truly failure is like so, so, so deeply related to this, like this discovery for me. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear about your experience with it growing up because I know you've got a lot of, a lot on this topic too. Yeah, I I do. And and I think it's interesting that you have related failure and rejection together because I do think that they go hand in hand and I don't think that I've of course somebody could tell me oh rejection and failure are directly related and I go yeah 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 I knew that I knew that but have I ever sat down and been really cognizant of it and thought through it and gone oh yeah my failures and what I consider to be my shortcomings are directly related to people who have rejected me and that is 100% related I think to my experience as well But when I think of failure overarching in my life broad, I think of the pressure that I've put on myself in my life. I think I put an immense amount of pressure on myself at an early age to be successful, to be, I was the oldest child. So I had a lot riding on my shoulders just because I was, you know, again, the oldest child. My parents had different expectations of me. You know, I had to perform well in school. I had, you know, and I I was in sports. I was in clubs. I, I did everything under the sun. Really, it felt that way. But at the end of the day, I would just be so depleted. It's like it's like you're hitting the gas. You're going 100 miles an hour. There's there's hardly any fuel left in the tank. And I really do relate failure, I think, from an early age to not meeting the mark, feeling like I wasn't enough by and this relates to uh, rejection, by having an adult or someone who, like a mentor or whatever, who was above me, who gave me a grade or who gave me, uh, you know, had a rubric for how I was supposed to act. So, you know, saying, okay, well, Jackie didn't meet the mark because she didn't do this right, or she was talking in class, or... And I would beat myself up about it. Like my parents would get on to me, but I would get on to myself worse than my parents got on me. So I would spend a lot of the time in my head going, you're so stupid. Why would you do that? How could you do that? Like, you know, I, I really thought that being perfect was attainable. I, I truly believed that in my mind as, as, a, as a young child. If I didn't have a good game, I had control of that because I control the outcome of my life. That's heartbreaking. 
yeah. And like, honestly, it sucks when I think about it. It really sucked for a number of years. A number of years, I, I was in my head. I, I had extreme social anxiety, even though I was the most social person in the world. Like I was friends with everybody. I did all the things. I could morph into whoever, whoever wanted me to be. Like I was that person. I could do it. I can yeah. do that. I can do that in my sleep. Um, <laughs> I do it in my dreams. You do it in your dreams? Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. And it's like without even me being cognizant or knowing, but I lived so many years just in, in fear of failing. And that prevented me, I think, from going for things. And like, I, 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 I did step out of my comfort zone a lot growing up and I did try new things and all that, but I think I could have gone for even more and I could have been so much better at those things if I would have just taken the pressure off of myself. And that's something with my kids. I'm going to be super, if I have kids one day, if I'm even able to, or, you know, make the decision to, it's like, I want to make sure that they realize that like, just do it, man it's all good go to school have a good time try your best if something doesn't work out it's it's fine and like I'm sure my parents did that for me but I wasn't listening I was listening to myself like they could be like Jackie you got this grade on a test we want you to do this we want you to do this better next time why did this happen they would tell me that but anything they said after that I did not hear I did not bank away what I heard was that I could do better and so that was the narrative that I believed and that I held on to. Yeah. So I was going to ask, I, and you kind of just touched on it, but do you have any idea where this, where this uh, desire to be perfect, sort of where the origin came from, where it was generated? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it comes from a number of memories. I think that it was right around maybe when I was like... Hmm. I think it started right around like when I kind of had the knowledge and understanding and awareness that I was an older sister. Like okay. I was, that was when like my little sister came along and I had to kind of change the way that I was behaving. Like I couldn't. So this is like a kind of, it's not, it's a funny story now, but it's just sort of terrible when it happened. But I must have been, this is kind of when my social anxiety started right around this time. Yeah. I so relate. Yeah, Whew. it's like you can call out a few memories, and this is just one of probably five or six that really um, started to determine the way I thought about myself. And so this was, and this is a. I, you, did you ever used to when you were a kid, you would like put on a play for your parents, or you'd be like, "Let me show you this yeah. dance." <laughs> so funny. Of so course, funny. So I had come home from like preschool or something and we had just been doing like a play or like it was like it was in the spring or something. And it was like baby Jackie, baby Jackie, baby Jackie is the cutest. <laughs> well, that's so that's so sweet. I don't think my parents thought it after this uh, when this when this memory happened here. They were like, oh, Jackie, at it again. But I my my sister had just learned to walk. Um, so she was, oh, I guess, right around one. Um, so maybe it was in the fall, not the spring she would have been one in the fall okay so it was in the fall a uh, fall play I'll, I'll leave it at that and so I'm like dancing in my my parents uh master bath and I decide to pick my sister up when I'm like dancing and messing around and I slip on the bathroom mat and I drop her mic drop she ends up being fine like she looks like she's okay yeah, she's yeah. crying obviously right she keeps crying she doesn't stop crying for like hours turns out I had broken her leg 
oh no, <laughs> you know, I know it's it's kind of funny. You were just trying to have fun. I was trying to have fun, right? But I remember like my parents like calling the ambulance and then they were like, she should go to the hospital. And I just had this like, oh, this like anxiety like I'd never felt before of just like, I did that. Like, and obviously like I was just having fun, you know, but I just like felt like this weight and like, obviously my parents like got on me because I broke my sister's leg, right? Like that's going to happen. Like you need to be more careful with your sister. Understandably, I did need to be more careful, but it's like the pressure that I put on myself after that. I know. Like I have like a little bit of tears in my eyes. Like, it's like, I know it's like, sad. I know I'm like kind of crying too. Cause I just felt like, damn, like I can really affect other people's lives. Oh my god, I know. Like, whoa. It's I didn't think I was gonna cry. Tear up because like I so like, uh, can, can envision that. And when you're a kid that's already so hard on yourself and holds yourself to such a high standard, parents I don't think they can understand what's going on in your head. So they don't really fully grasp that. But like you were already punishing yourself for what you had done. I know. Like anything beyond that just confirmed that your punishing of yourself was rightful. And how heartbreaking is that? It was an accident. It was a mistake. I know. I was a kid. Isn't that crazy? But how it like sticks in your head. I know, dude. I I know. I have a little tears in my (laughs) eyes. But um, if my sister's listening, I love you, Caroline. And I I know you're not mad at me for breaking your leg. (laughs) But it really was one of those things. I think that was the first time I was aware of, like, you know, I would, like, replay that moment in my mind. And so when other things like that would happen that were similar or somebody was displeased with me or I didn't mean to do something, I was like, holy shit. Okay, the way for me to avoid feeling like that is to be perfect and to never mess up. And that's, like, one one of, you know like I said before, like six probably moments early on in my growing up where I was like, whoa, okay, I've got to, I I can control the outcome when really I can't a lot of the time. I just try my best. I try to be good-ish. Do you feel like you had to believe that you could control it in order to not be afraid of that feeling like hunting you down? Totally. Yeah. I had to be in full control of it. And there were times when I couldn't when I couldn't control the feeling. And so I would just, I like to be busy. Like I'm a busy, I'm a busy body. Like I'm moving, I'm moving and grooving. Um, and it helps me to not, and I think sports and exercise were, was, was a lot of that for me. And just to not have to think and to not have to feel those things because I felt them so deeply. And I really resonated with when you said, you know, I, you know, I was very emotional and that was not received well. Totally get that. Growing up, I was very, very emotional, very passionate about things, very, um, and I was definitely a sensitive kid, but I, it was more so like I would get, I'd be really, really happy about something, but I could get really, really angry. Like I, it was, I could be very, well, you're a very passionate person. You have very, um, it's such a beautiful quality. You have like really strong convictions about the things that you think, not in a way to force it upon anybody else, but like you are passionate and that's a beautiful thing. But I think in kids, passion isn't quite refined yet because you're not, you haven't grown. Yeah. And so it shows itself in, in like swaying moods probably. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it does. It does. And I don't think, I think what didn't help that 
is the pressure. It's like a pressure cooker. No kidding. Because I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, I can be passionate. I can be excited about things or, you know, I can get really angry at this. But that would be when like, you know, I would get in trouble as if I was too much of one of the two things. things yourself. Yeah. It's like I was, but like I was also being... And again, I think it was just like navigating having a first child and like dealing totally. with Totally. Oh my gosh. I don't know how parents do it. Like I couldn't. <laughs> I, I know. I, our, my kids will be on a podcast and if I have kids in 30 years and they're going to be like, this is what my mom did to me, even though we're going to try our hardest. So like all the grace to parents. <laughs> yeah. All the grace to them. But I do think like there were times when like maybe I was, Jackie, like, why are you crying at that? Or like, why would you get upset over this? And it was like, oh God. Oh my God. Like I, and then I would be upset at myself. See, this is, this is when the spiral happens. Then I'm upset at myself for being emotional and for being passionate. And I couldn't, I couldn't shut that off. It was harder for me to shut that off. So there was a lot. And oh God, I actually have an example of failure. Oof. Yeah. You got it. As an adult. Um, I just, I just remembered it's one of those moments in your life where you're like, it was really pivotal because it was like, it just, I was just like a defining moment where I was like, I am not this person. And I've been trying to be this person for so long. And like, I'm not, and I've been trying to fit myself into a box, but that I was never meant to be in that box ever. And I catch up with everyone at any, at some point. Sheesh. Well, um, so being the oldest, right. So, um, this kind of goes into college and putting pressure on myself and really being driven, just very dr- driven all around to, to be the best at everything and to be Mrs. Perfectionist, Mrs. You know, whatever. And I don't like to talk about this because I think this is where the fear part comes in, right? This is where my fear of rejection takes place. Like, oh my God, people will know. They're like in on my secret. They know that I'm not this way. And that's hard. But that I think it sucks. Oh, I just hit the microphone. Absolutely (laughs) terrifying and like completely soul rendering. It is. It's like, okay, well, I'll just be honest. There's, you know, there's no way around it. Proud of you. I love you anyway. Thank you. I love you too. I'm giving you air hug with my hands, clapping my hands like little crab. Um, But basically, growing up, you know, so my dad, his whole life wanted to go to Georgia Tech, right? If, um, you know, you're out of state and you don't know what Georgia Tech is, Georgia Tech, Georgia Institute of Technology is a really, really great, it's, it's a prestigious school. Yeah, it's one of the top tech schools. Like people come in from all over the world to go to Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah. It's like, in, I feel like most people know it. Okay, it's like up there yeah. at MIT and Caltech. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, it's, it's insanely a great school. So my dad um, is super like mathematical minded um and is had always like wanted to go to Georgia Tech his whole life but his dad was like I'm not paying your co- for your college unless you go to like a Christian school so he ended up going to um Lipscomb University in um Nashville Tennessee but he was like all throughout growing up he was like like I want you to go to like he kind of like put this thing on me like you're gonna go to Georgia Tech kind of a thing his dream his dream like he said it without saying it or maybe there were sometimes he said it and like you know, I, he, I get, I, well, I just had a thought that like, he probably thought that that might also be your dream because of your perfectionist nature that like you would want to go to the best school because he witnessed you being a perfectionist. Totally. And like, just proves that, like we're not in each other's heads. Like we just can't be in each other's heads. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he, he probably was like, oh yeah, you know, Jackie would, you know, 
Wanna, She's wanna... good at everything. She probably wants to be good <laughs> at college too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, so I grew up, you know, being a tech fan, which you know, I have to sort of cringe at now because I went so to college. Good dogs. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't. You know what? His dad Maybe. went to tech. <clears throat> I don't know if we've connected on this. That's kind of weird. Wasn't like a major tech fan, but his dad did go to tech. So okay, okay. I, yeah, I you should chat about it. You guys have changed. So he colors. went to tech, but he's not British. Like I thought he's not British because <laughs> okay. I thought that um, <laughs> I can see it. I could see British being so funny. <laughs> British. Yeah, he, he does look like a Brit. Um, but all that to say, so um, my dad had also kind of wanted to be an architect um, and he ended up in, in finance and um, he went to Lipscomb and, you know, all this. But he had wanted to go to big state school. And um, so I had always had that in my mind. Right. Um, and so I knew though, when I went through high school and when I was started to take AP classes, like, you know, math, I, I'm not an engineer, I'm not an engineer and I'm not engineer minded. Right. So, um, you know, I was always really good at math. That was just my, that was one of my things. And so I ended up being, yeah. in like, um, AP calculus and I went through all, I, but I put that pressure on myself, like this is I'm, I'm making the story too long but no say it all this is full i will tell it in full um and so i knew when i was going through these classes though i was always the one i was never at the top of the class like i was i was always struggling in math and i think it's because i skipped math one year they just put me in another year ahead so i i missed some foundational principles did you skip pre-cal i skipped i skipped the one in eighth grade i went straight to oh, um Gosh, I hate math, so I'm forgetting. Oh, I went I'm right pretty sure it's algebra. algebra. I think algebra was. I skipped algebra, which is pretty integral to math. No, it was algebra. <laughs> algebra was eighth grade. Yeah, that is very integral, especially to it. calculus. Uh, I skipped very it. related. And uh, I remember being always the one that was behind. It? So I went to a private school. <gasps> That's right. Up until seventh grade, and then I, when I went to public school. Um, I, I guess I like tested out or whatever. And so they were like, you just need to skip a year of math. And I was like, cool. But what I didn't, I was playing catch up. So, so I would have teachers be frustrated with me. Why don't you understand this? I would have my parents be like, why are you making a 60 on this test? I'm like, cause I don't have the financial, financial foundational principles. That'll get me off another direction. But all this to say, I was always in the higher, higher classes, but I was always to the mid or bottom of the class. Like I knew. It's not my strong suit. I can do it if I study really hard. I shouldn't do that as a career professionally. Not oh my, my gosh. I couldn't relate more. Not my math thing. Math is one of the main sources of failure in high school. <laughs> I used to have like straight up, I got math test anxiety because I couldn't focus on math tests. And now I have an understanding of why, but I used to get anxiety with only math tests. And I now know like it's because it was the thing I was the worst at. And then I would get bad grades in higher level classes. I stopped taking it. After junior year, I took college algebra senior year at the local um, community college because yeah. I was like, I'm not taking another math class after this. This is it. Because it made me feel like crap about myself. Yes. Yes. I really, I really, I had oh. cried in the bathroom so many times after oh. receiving results from a math test. Yeah, me, you, me and you both. Yeah, Johns Creek has seen, has seen quite a bit of me. And I remember very little about high school for a lot of, like, it's just not there. I just don't have memories. Yeah. But I Blocked do remember that. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. We can definitely share in that because I had some similar moments in the Duluth well, High School bathroom. I didn't have the pressure of my parents wanting me to pursue that career or hoping that I would want to pursue that career. My parents were always like, why is this girl so 
hard on herself and high maintenance. Like, I don't understand where this is coming from. <laughs> but I can't imagine if I had like the hopes of somebody I loved on me. So yeah. continue. Yeah. yeah. And that was right at the time. So I'm a senior in high school. And at that same time, you know, my sister is in high school with me. So she's a freshman. And um, she is love Caroline. She's amazing. And she is super well-rounded and she is of our family. I think the one I think Jesse would say this too, is the one that's the most book smart. So she could take any test without studying, like making a hundred. She's a rock star. Um, very impressed by her, but you know, in that growing up during that time, I, you know, now I had my sister with me in high school and obviously there's that comparison between sisters. Yes. Naturally. Naturally. And so I had this pressure on me you know, to go to tech and all this. Well, no one's probably surprised by this. Didn't get into tech. <laughs> newsflash, newsflash, 411. And I remember n- the feeling of not getting in. And it was like my world was crumbling, even though in my heart and in my head, the whole time I knew, I knew I was better off going to Georgia. Be- but it wasn't about that. It was about pleasing your dad and making exactly. him happy. And exactly. that is a heavy, heavy weight so heavy. And so I felt like the three, all these three combinations, right? I felt fear of what am I going to do now? I felt the immense weight of rejection because I thought I'm not good enough. Like somebody Mm -hmm. has told me, and Mm -hmm. I've been told this my whole life. It's like somebody has told me now officially what I've been working toward. What you've been afraid of. What I've been afraid of like is true. Like I'm not good enough. And that was like so hard, which I know I'm, I'm, of course I'm, you're, of course, good enough, but I'm proud of you for even applying because I'm convinced one of the reasons I went to Auburn, I'm so glad I did, but I was too afraid to apply for the schools that I wanted to go to because I'm a huge book nerd. Like, I'm a nerd, nerd, nerd. And I like kind of wish I had gone to a liberal arts school or Vanderbilt or something, but I was too afraid to apply because I thought I'd get rejected. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, so it, I'm a proud of you for at dude, least applying. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, I, ugh, I just, I just felt, and I, I knew when I was applying, I, like I had always known like inside, but I remember that moment of just being in my room and just, I'd already told my parents and like, you know, I could tell my dad was disappointed, but he wasn't disappointed in me. He was like bummed that like it didn't work out because obviously that had been, you know, something that it's he hard to separate those. Not like, not that that's anything to say about your dad, yeah. but as a person, it's hard to, to receive that disappointment and not try, not take it a little personally, even though you know, it's not personal. Right. Yes. Right? Oh, of course. And I had never felt comfortable like telling people like at school that I'd just be like, oh yeah, I just didn't decide to go, which is horrible because uh, I don't blame you. Those oh people God, don't dude. deserve to know the real story. You know, yeah. I was like, uh, because I didn't decide to go there. And it was for the like it was such a such a win that I didn't because I think I'm I wouldn't know you. I know. probably. Yeah. yeah. And like I probably wouldn't um, you know, have met Ned or like and I it was so sad to think about and I wouldn't have had such an incredible experience and done like the music business for a while. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's like it all worked out for the best and no part of me regrets anything that happened. But it was in that moment when I look back on my life and the pressure that I put on myself to perform and to be those things. And it was like, well, I've never felt like that's one of the moments in my life. And it sounds really like trivial, you know, because life is big. Life is big and a lot of big things happen. But that was a moment where I was like, I'm not enough. Whew, that was tough. That was tough. That was a tough moment. Yeah. So 
That's extremely tough. And I really appreciate you sharing that because I know to people who maybe don't have as personal of a relationship to the topic of failure or feeling the need to be a perfectionist, to just, to just be accepted. It's not like I'm sure you relate to this. It's not like I even think I'll ever be the best. I don't, I don't ever even think that that's possible. I just want to be good so that I can be enough to be safe and know that people will like love me. And that's really the genesis of of my hope for perfectionism and, and avoiding failure. But like, that's a really raw story for somebody who is similar to us in that way and really has this innate desire to fit in by being perfect not yeah. be the best by being perfect but just fit in and like make people happy other people happy yeah yeah it's like story to self selflessness about you because you never really stopped to think what you wanted because you cared about your dad so much you wanted to take that on for him like mm-hmm. your big heart was so clear to me in that story um and who you are was so much more beautiful than the story itself because you were caring for your dad so much. And like that is way more important than the college you get into. But it doesn't yeah. matter when you have such a personal relationship to failure. Mm. Those things are going to cut so deeply. And it's yes, really hard yes. to see clearly through through that. And I, I mean, man, it's really impactful. So thank Dang. you for sharing. Well, yeah, thanks for affirming me in that too because I don't think I've ever like looked at it like that. I've just looked at, I didn't check this box, but I'm okay that I didn't check that box. I've never looked at it like I was really caring for my dad and like what he wanted. Like I've not connected the dots on that. So I think I think it's because it's just who you are. That's what you're doing all the time. Well, you're constantly. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very natural for <laughs> you. Nice. You're always thinking about what will make other people feel loved and happy. And obviously sometimes that's going to be mm-hmm. to a fault, right? But like for the most part, yeah. that's a very beautiful quality. And you do it so naturally that you didn't even notice that that's what you were doing in that story. And I'm sure sometimes, and I relate to this, you find yourself losing yourself because you're trying to mm-hmm. do things for other people. But honestly, I mean, it's pretty beautiful that you tried to help your dad live out his dream. I, my mom, like I was a swimmer. I was a very good swimmer. And, but I, I, when I started swimming year round, I really hated it. Like I was I was way overstimulated because I was playing volleyball and basketball at the same time as year-round swimming. And I was like changing in my bathing suit from basketball practice on the way to swim practice and like would get home at 11 and wake up at six. And it was just, I was exhausted as a seventh grader, sixth, seventh grader. And uh, I, my mom always wanted to be a swimmer. Like she swam in her neighborhood growing up. But like I saw, I love you, mom, but I saw your times. Like you just weren't really ever that good. <laughs> oh and I God. love you. You're good in so many other ways. So many other ways that are way better than me. <laughs> failure conversation. You don't care. And I really respect that. Uh, but you just weren't the best swimmer. But I always remember, I, I would tell her, I would like scream at her because I remember locking my door when she tried to make me go to practice. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to take my door off the hinges. And I would be like, mom, this is your dream, not mine. <laughs> Which is you not even really me. true. Like it probably wasn't even true. She just saw that I was good at it and was trying to push me to do it because I was actually very good at it. And I see that now, but at the time I was like so quick to blame her for it. But your story, you took that on and like were selfless with it and tried to do something to make somebody else happy. And I think that's at least admirable and worth saying. Uh, well, thank you. It was to my detriment ultimately. But <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah, it does happen. It does. And I know that you feel me on that and, and get and that goes back into the people pleasing mentality. It's it's totally. this wrestle of like it's so intertwined. It's so intertwined and it and it's like, well, I want to make you happy. But also 
I don't know, like, I, it's hard for me not to cross a line there. It's hard for me not to make it, like, an obsession. Yeah. I feel like it's just this <laughs> lifelong struggle to try to not have attention on you because when you have attention on you, it's usually, like, when people get called out, it's usually bad. So, like, mm-hmm. I've been trying to hide from being in the center spotlight and just not being a problem. Like, I just didn't want to be a concern. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. if you stay in that space, you're usually avoiding failure. So, if you're making people mm-hmm. happy boxes, as you said, and doing the things that are expected of you, then you stay out of the feedback loop and you're not receiving negative feedback and you're not getting public attention for being a failure. And then you don't have to deal with that feeling of rejection and failure and then you're safe. But really you're not safe no. because you're not, you're not allowing yourself the space to try and fail mm-hmm. and learn from it. Exactly. Which, I guess is a good way to lead into our, like, what are we doing now as adults yes. and what do we hope to grow in moving forward? Definitely. How how do I deal with and approach failure? Because obviously um, it's a very, very personal, deep issue for both of us. So it's not like it disappeared. No, no, no. It's still it's still a, a weekly, if not a daily struggle. But I think it's I don't know. There's been this this shift and I and I'm trying to pinpoint when it happened exactly. It's been over the last two or three years where I just this is going to make it sound uh, impersonal kind of, I guess, like really casual, but like, I don't care anymore. Like I, it's one no, of those no, things. No. That's great. Yeah. It's like, I'm caring less, which is awesome. And I'll be like, well, I didn't really make the mark on that, but it's allowed my mind to open up and really look at all the facts and go, well, okay. It's okay that that presentation or this um, you know, meeting I had scheduled or it didn't even have to deal with work. Like this meal I cooked, it, it wasn't the most perfect thing ever because I didn't have this resource. I was under this time constraint. And what's crazy is any other me before the last three years would have not taken a look at all the facts, mm-hmm. would have very quickly dismissed anything and had gone back to my childhood habits and had gone, it's your fault, Jackie. And it's your fault, and that trumps any possible fact, any any other person's doing or being in it. It's on you, man. It's on you. And I would let that that song sing, mm. and to and it's amplified and playing all of the time. And I was like, I gotta turn that crap off because yes, I can't listen to that anymore. I have to look at all of the facts and realize, okay, well, I'm extending all of this grace and all of this, I don't even know if I call it grace. I'm, I'm really thinking about going out of my way for other people and really catering to them. So if I'm willing to extend that to them, not even knowing really their entire situation, I, why can I not do that for myself when I have all of the information and facts? Hmm. So like looking at it from a more scientific perspective and going, here are the facts. Yes, I feel this way. How can I move through this feeling? That's like one of my favorite things is I, I, I saw, I can't remember where I saw it, maybe Instagram or something. It was a graphic and it was, um, it was on a well-being type of feed or uh, account. And it was like, you just got to move through it. You're going to feel these things, move through it and mm-hmm. logically think about how that impacts my life. I I think I've told you this before, but shout out to my friend, Mary Claire, who when I was going through a breakup with Connor, which I was a complete mess because also now I know I'm extremely sensitive to rejection and failure. And I felt that that relationship Mm. ending was a massive failure. And 
I was not okay for a long time. Um, and she would tell me she was going through a breakup at the same time. And she would say, I just try to, when a feeling comes, I try to feel it from my head to my toes and then let it go. And mm. I'll never forget that because that's kind of what you explained. Like you just feel it in full and then let that feeling go and then process logically what you need to be thinking about this uh, instead of emotionally responding, which is yes. extremely hard to do. That is, I'm so that proud is- of you for growing in that and like being able to be cognizant of that and attempt to practice it over and over again because that's what it takes. The struggle. It is a real struggle. It's really easy for me straight to write straight up respond very quickly with what I'm feeling and to, and to be upset and to when really I've just got to move through it think about other people's actions my actions what can I do next time what can I think about moving forward like it's just not worth thinking on those things Spir- spiraling it's not worth spiral- spiraling on it and what I mean by that is thinking about thinking a thought thinking about it over and over and over again replaying it in my mind like on playback playback in mm-hmm. my head like a movie critiquing myself over and over and over again how could I have done this differently maybe I think about I'm hungry for two minutes but I go straight back to it and then it reminds me of another mistake I made and it's just it just becomes this spider web of mm-hmm. anxiety fear failure rejection web that I have spun myself oh, into. Yeah. oh yeah terrible it is terrible I when I do that to myself, I, the best way I can think to explain how I feel, it's like this massive cloud of feelings of anxiety, self-hatred, um, depression, overwhelm. And it's like this massive storm cloud over my head. And I can't quite pinpoint anymore what's causing it because it's too many things and it loses its purpose and it just gets to be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that is never a good way to end any sort of anything constructively because I lose the ability to even pinpoint how it started in the first place. And there's no way to learn from something if you can't pinpoint what happened and where to go from there. Uh, that's, no. it's a sucky feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a cloud of emotions that are going on like in your head, mixed feelings, everything's jumbled up. And then I become more confused and I become angrier at myself because I'm in this loop that I can't stop. And I'm like in my headspace like that. I can't get out. I can't get out of Mm-hmm. And I sometimes yeah. think that there's a, a little Lizzie McGuire floating above us that we have two brains that are thinking different things at the same time, where it's like one one part of my brain is racing and I can't understand where it's going or what exactly it's feeling. Like I said, it's that storm cloud uh, that's feeling all these negative things that lead to just general overwhelm for me. But then there's this other me, like you said, floating above me in my pink crop top jeans and flip flops, yeah. my Lizzie McGuire, that's like... <laughs> Hannah's over here overwhelmed. Like, what is she doing? Why can't she stop? I hate myself and I need to go clean my hairbrush. Like, totally. That's like totally how I feel a lot of the time. And I don't know. I think growing up and trying to learn how to cope with this and grow stronger, but, you know, cope sometimes because it's going to take a while to get better at this for me, especially since I'm just now learning how this is all tied together. And that's going to be a good springboard for me. But I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's trying to catch those moments and then listen to the flip-flop girl. <laughs> and yeah, I shut the rest out and realize like I can't do anything about any of this stuff. I get so anxious when I feel like a failure, especially to people um and people friends or people who I was friends with. Like that stuff is on my mind 
all the time. And I end up in this space where it's one thought after another. Like you said, this this hamster wheel slash spider web slash cloud. It's all of these at once. <laughs> it's a hamster wheel spider web cloud. And it is. <laughs> and then it just like it loses its purpose and and it's just it's so non-constructive. And I'm trying to not give it credence and just realize like if there's anything that you feel like you need to do to feel better about these anxieties, do it. And then after that, you have to stop. You have to like walk away and think as practically as you can. And like you said, list out like the logical things that actually are real about the situation and then try Mm -hmm. your very best to move on. Because I used to sit in that brain space and I still do sometimes, but I used to sit in that brain space so much, but I'm also getting to a place where I don't care as much as I used to. And I mean that in the same way you do. Like it's not nonchalant. It's that I care, I've cared so much for so long mm-hmm. in ways that weren't helpful and they didn't help yeah. other people and they didn't help me. So no. the only thing that is actually helpful is for me to assign less importance and value to the things that cause me stress and make me feel like a failure and just accept it. That's a part of life and it happens to everybody. Yes. And most people can roll through the punches and be okay with it. And it's like, I want to learn to be one of those people. So I'm trying to step back. And Connor's a really good example of this because he deals with that so mm-hmm. much better than I do. And just put everything in perspective and realize like m- me not being a good friend to somebody, that is that happens to everybody. It happens. And we all have seasons of our life where that happens. And you just have to let it go mm-hmm. and learn that nor- it's normal. It's normal. And that is so hard for me to deal with. But yeah, yeah practically calling it out and trying to move forward. And honestly, just like being honest with people like you, Jackie, and like Connor and talking with people about what's going on in my head, because then once it's out, people can help you put it into place and make sense of it. Mm Because if things get lost in our heads, it's going to get lost in that cloud. It makes me think of that um, meme that I sent you on Instagram where it was like... (laughs) God gives his most intrusive thoughts to what is the hottest women, the hottest women or something like something so silly at the end. It makes me think of that. But I loved what you said, going back to a more serious note. I love what you said when you said um, uh, assigning less value to those feelings, like not that, you know, obviously we do care less, you know, to a certain extent, but it's like, okay, that that's not serving me well. It's not serving other people well. And it's not allowing me to think about situationally facts outside of myself. That's reality. Because I think in our minds, it can very quickly become fantasy slash there's just a manipulation and an exaggeration of what actually happened that's so easy to construct in your brain. And it feels very final. Totally. Memory is such a weird thing too. I would love for us to do an episode on memory because our memories are so inaccurate because we do that. We fabricate things in our heads to a point where we don't even remember what happened in the first place and our Mm -hmm. memories are completely reconstructed Mm -hmm. and it's it's a crazy thing, but it's not helpful when it comes to failure (laughs) at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not even in the slightest. Mm -hmm. And it's all based around experience. So if I've had experience similar to that with memory, and I'm recalling a situation that made me feel very similar to a situation that happened before, it's very likely that my reaction and my memory of that moment of that situation are going to be either exaggerated or downplayed based on how I perceive that situation to be. So we will totally have to 
do another episode. Yeah. We'll have to like note some memories that we have that are mm-hmm. we know are wrong now because I've had some of those moments where I've said things like in front of my parents or something about yeah. childhood or you know there's even things today that I like remember completely wrong and we can write those down and talk about like how weird it is. It'll be great. We should. Uh, we should. Yeah. Like a total mind f kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it really whoa. is. Uh, but one thing I wanted to say about assigning less value, uh, I think an important switch for me um, growing up, I was taught that putting yourself first is the worst thing that you can do. And I understand why to a degree. And I know like it's biblical, but, but what I've grown to learn is if you neglect yourself and neglect taking care of yourself and learning how to be the best version of who you're made to be and honor that, then you are not doing anyone else a service. Um, and I spent so much of my life trying to like, I mean, I was preached to forget yourself, think less of yourself. And I think that is good, but you can only do that if you're healthy. And like, if you're unhealthy, then you're going to be unhealthy to other people. And I just like firmly believe that there needs to be space to grow and focus and learn about you instead of just always focusing on other people. Yeah, that that is a similar narrative. Yeah. To the one that I experienced growing up, um, you know, put others first. It's about other people. It's about making things fair. And it's like I tried so hard to make that happen and accomplish that. that in a lot of ways, I really lost sight of what was most important for, for, for me at that time, for my boundaries that I needed then at that point in my life. Totally. Totally. And I yeah, it's just it's so relevant. I was trying to look through my phone earlier to find, I was going through report cards uh, because my parents sold their house. I was going through all my stuff. And I think I mentioned this before, but all my teachers were like, I don't know what, Hannah's a great student. She's good to her friends, whatever, but she's very hard on herself and I can't understand why. And um, I think about, well, I was trying to be all these things. And I obviously had, you know, things that I needed help with as well, just like mentally my brain worked differently. But even more than that, I was trying to be all these things for all these people, which I went to a Christian school and I was trying to live up to the standard they were asking me to set. And that's a hell of a lot of pressure. It really, really is like for kids that get it, which I really do think like all my report cards also said, like she has a deeper connection with God than anyone else her age. And I just think I've always been, my brain's just connected to deeper concepts. It's just how I, how my brain works. And I think that I understood what they were asking and it felt impossible. And I was trying to do it because it's what the people in power over me were asking. And so I think one of the things I practically try to do now is understand where the pressures I'm feeling are coming from and then filter them through and think, is this worth it? Is this helpful Mm. to myself, to the world, to the people I love? And if it's not, let's table it and think about it another time because I just like used to receive everything from people as an assignment, not as a recommendation. Uh, And I just received a lot of those growing up and I read those report cards and it like made me weep because I just remember being so overwhelmed all the time emotionally and feeling like I was a failure, but it's because these impossibly high standards were set for me. And most kids don't care and they're avoiding the standard, but I was like trying to do everything I could. And I know you were too, to live up to it. And it's exhausting. And I don't want to live like that. So I try to be practical with understanding those pressures and, uh, choosing to live up, choosing to try to achieve them or not, because some of them just helpful. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, well, what at the core am I trying to achieve? Like, let me look within myself and say, 
is this for the right reasons? Totally. And like, and in the effort of doing so, like obviously not wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater, like I am very much respectful enough of where I come from to know that I was also like so many good things were taught to me. And like, it's so beautiful to put other people first, but it's more complex than the way that my child brain caught onto it. And I want to think about things with more complexity and give myself a little more grace along the way. Um, And then one other thing that I've just been trying to do, because as I told you, you applied to the schools, like I have avoided things that I wouldn't succeed at my entire life like straight up. I would, I was a good athlete, but I wouldn't try as hard as I could because I thought if I tried as hard as I could and I still wasn't good enough, then I don't know what I would, if I could Mm -hmm. live with myself. Like that's how my brain works. So I would be really naturally good at things. And then that was where I would leave it because effort means you better be the best. And if you're not the best, you're worthless. So it was safer for me to not really try all that hard and still be good at things. Uh, But then when it got to things that I wasn't naturally good at or, you know, I was interested in, but I was afraid I wouldn't be naturally good at it. It was terrifying to me or like, mm. I thought I might be rejected. So I'm trying to, in little ways and, and slowly add into my life, doing new things or trying new things, whether big or small, uh, in order to put myself in a situation where I can feel that failure a little bit. Yeah. And not fun at all. It still no. sucks. I still respond the same way, but I'm trying to get better. Like exposure therapy is so real. So I'm trying to put myself in that situation. And honestly, this podcast is one of those things. Like it's very scary for me to do this because it's putting myself vulnerably in front of the world to receive feedback. And yeah. I have avoided that my whole freaking entire life. <laughs> I'm like you. I don't like, I'm not a fan of constructive criticism. Oh, uh, oh. But goodness gracious, like I need it we so need it. badly, and it's just yeah, it because it, it takes me back to that time, you know, in my life. <laughs> Does your do your like senses seize up when you receive criticism? Like, do you start sweating yeah, and you're I do you get goosebumps? I do. I've tried to be more receptive to it, and like again, like taking ownership of things. I think I should take ownership of, and not so if somebody would come to me and say, "I hey, I think you do this," I say, "Well, this is what I was trying to do." You know, or because ordinarily I would have just been like, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, I was in the wrong. Not really thinking about totally what I did. Very easy to go, well, it must have been me because, you know, I mess up all the time and things don't go right. And, you know, who else would it be? But when I'm really thinking about it, I I try nowadays to think about it more scientifically, the facts. Okay. What did I do? What were my intentions? Okay. I can express those intentions to that person. If, you know, you know, we can talk about it then. I I just like just just being honest about stuff. Yeah, that's great. And I think I'm trying to do similar things where I think about the facts and try to remove the emotion from it and be able to say, I did this wrong and I'm sorry, but not let it spiral me into like absolute despair. Uh, And that's, that's a really, really powerful thing to work on. I'm very proud of us. Uh, and then, you know, my hope for me in the future is I, I want to continue to do things. My main goal is just that I continue to do things that provide me the opportunity to fail and learn from it and not see failure as an end all be all, because that's how I viewed it my whole life. Like if you're not good at something the first time, which there were a lot of things I did as a kid that I was good at the first time. So I felt like that is what I should do and stick mm-hmm. to But it's like, that's not how it always has to be. You can you can try something and not do a great job and learn from there and grow from there. And I want to keep Definitely. doing that or try to pursue that, which scares me, but I want to keep putting myself in situations like that. Yeah. 
And I, I agree with you. I think we're doing that with the podcast. Yep. Thank you guys for witnessing. <laughs> yes. Thank you for witnessing <laughs> all of this. We and, appreciate it. And give us feedback. Tell us what you like. Yeah, it's great. No, we, I, my, uh, my five senses will probably still be triggered, but it's because my whole life failure has been tied or like rejection and failure have been tied to negative feedback. And I think that like, if somebody gives me negative feedback, that's it. They're done. I can never be redeemed in their eyes again. Like I've got friendships where people were angry at me and I'm like, this is never going to recover. Like I was so final in my thoughts about stuff and I don't really understand why, but I'm not in that place anymore. So my senses may be going off, but I'm listening and I'm (laughs) happy that you're giving me feedback. And I apologize (laughs) if it makes me squirmy at first that I'm trying to get better. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be the same way. I can I can almost assure you. Um, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> crazy. All right, we want to do our carryouts. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my carryout is is moving through failure. That's that's my just moving through it in whatever way you feel about it, and talking to friends about it, talking to friends and family about it, and being really honest and transparent, and having the hard conversations and addressing it head on. That's my carryout. That's what I'm taking from this. And to still address and identify situations that happened in the past where there's an opportunity to look at those situations in a different lens Mm -hmm. and to see them outside of fear, failure, and rejection because there's so much more to that. You got to dig to find the gems and the gold. Gold digger. Don't be a gold digger. If you're I mean, going or through, do, like, whatever you want as your life, you. your business. <laughs> yeah, your life, your business. Do your thing. Do your thing. Do your thing. Um, that's a great carry out. I think mine, my carry out is along the lines of what I said earlier about assigning less value to things. I think in order for me to learn to move through failure and uh, continue to learn more about ADHD and RSD and how that's related and then grow through it, I need to just not think things are as important as they are or as I think they are because they're really not as important as I think they are. <laughs> and just put things in the right frame of, of mind, the right uh, the right priority level, and then it will be less catastrophic when it goes poorly or if it goes poorly. Or if it goes well, it won't be as much of like an adrenaline hit, which is also addicting. So, you know, having extremes is addicting, but it's unhealthy and I just need to assign less value. Oh. And then pursue things from there. Yes. Assigning less value, pursuing things from there, coming at it from a very wise, clear space. Totally. And I also want to like share the carry out of being honest with people and being open about Mm -hmm. it because Mm -hmm. I've noticed that if I don't do that, I get anxious about the fact that I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And it's just a that loop that we talked about. And it helps you put things in perspective because those people have uh, unbiased perspective. Yes, precisely. Um, me and you, look at us. We're working on the hard stuff, doing the fun things, man. We are. We oh, are. We are. We out here trying to live our lives on a Saturday morning, you guys. Uh, well, we hope you have a wonderful week. As Jackie yes. said, do send your feedback. We need it. We want it. We do. We, uh, we promise. It. Even though you just listened to all this, we promise we want it. Uh, yes. Please like, subscribe. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, we are available to you. And hit us with that follow on Instagram at Goodish People Pod. Uh, send us any thoughts in our DMs about episodes you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, we are open and happy to chat about pretty much anything. So uh, we got some good ones last week. Um, our friend Olivia sent one about 
the evolution of Justin Bieber and if Haley is his keeper. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't read is Haley his keeper part. That I don't would know have sent me. It, but she texted me saying she wants to know if Haley's his like psychiatric keeper, oh which is God. hilarious. And, I, I mean, we can't. She is hilarious. <laughs> she is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we got some good ones. We want to ask about a fashion podcast, which we definitely want to talk about and like what, why that yeah. matters to us and how we come about shopping mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so send yeah, us your ideas. Yeah. And otherwise, we are going to have ourselves a good week. I'm going to go to Miami and Rockstar live it up lady. and sleep, which I know I'm getting older because that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I love sleep. Fall asleep on a beach chair at the pool, which is less hot than the beach. Um, but oh, anyway, yummy. that's all. That's all I have, Jackie. What about you? Oh gosh, mm. what am I going to do this next week? Or I don't know. Anything else? <laughs> any closing <laughs> remarks? <laughs> closing remarks. Yeah. Um. If you have any questions, email us goodishpeople at gmail dot com. Hit us up. Hit us up. Hit us up. Um. Otherwise, have a great week slash weekend. I guess it would be you're headed into the weekend. Really, on a Thursday. That's right. That's right. Godspeed. Which I and I'm so sad because. Well, you guys are going to a concert, which is going to be so fun. But I'm oh seeing God. Oppenheimer, which has rave reviews. I'm getting too excited. I can't get ahead of it because so the real reviews haven't released yet. But as of Thursday, when you guys are listening, you'll know if I'm right or wrong because the review gate is flooding on Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I'm seeing it on Thursday. So jealous. I like, am going to be such a happy girl. And then I'm waking up the next morning to see Barbie because I have the day off work. So jealous. I'm also very excited about that. Yeah. I know. I'll sadly, see it again with you. Like I'll see it anytime. I'll see yeah, either of those again. That's true. Like well, literally either of those. Connor's going to go with me to Oppenheimer so we can try to get another nice. day on the calendar because mm-hmm. if you guys want, because yeah, I, yeah. he had promised me to go see that because he doesn't like movies as much as I do. And we like, he promised me like a year ago that he would see Oppenheimer with me. Heck yeah, and then he's out of town for a bachelor party. And I was like, I'm sorry, I have to see it opening day. Like, yeah. it's just in, it's good just, for you. I, it's in my like complete armchair movie critic blood that I just have to see it opening mm. night. Smart. But anyway, yeah, when this comes out on Thursday, that movie will be coming out. So please go to your local theaters, support the theater, yes. buy a ticket to Barbie, buy a ticket to Oppenheimer. And um, I will be at the Yellow Card concert because I definitely yeah. forgot that I bought the tickets the same day as the concert. Happens so. to the best of us. Uh, but anyway, no. go to a Yellow Card concert, go to a movie. Thing, chicken wing. Yeah. Uh, strike with the actors. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all of that. I know we said this before, but like, subscribe, follow uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. We love you guys. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Goodish people. Monkey Joe out. <laughs> <laughs>